Amen. Good morning. Feel like um, everybody's right here, so if I'm too loud, let me know. I'm a Baptist minister. Uh, I'm thankful <clears throat> to Nancy. Uh, Nancy and I go way back, um, and uh, so she's been a good friend, a good sister, a good person, uh, as long as I've known her. And uh, as I shared with uh, uh, Diane, that, that it's kind of difficult to say no to her. She does a great job in our school district. And um, the job she has is a job that you have to be patient. And so um, I'm thankful for her. Uh, I'm thankful for this opportunity, and I'm thankful to share with you guys this morning. Um, when Nancy spoke to me about it, uh, I'm always grateful to share my experience. Uh, most of the time, I'm sharing it uh, with young people, and uh, I, I try to get them into uh, a positive track, especially when we're dealing with the life that's going on right now. Um, we often uh, look back at our lives growing up and we say how simplistic they were, but we also say how good they were. Um, for those of you that may not know, uh, I am or was a police officer for 26 years in the township of Westfield. I spent um, most of my time working in um, a specialized unit, juvenile working with youth. Uh, I ran or started the D.A.R.E. program there. Uh, I uh, currently am uh, the executive director of the Westfield Police Athletic League. Um, and I started with that in, probably in 1983. So I've been the executive director since then. I worked as a liaison in the schools uh, directly with the superintendent um, and all of the principals. And um, <clears throat> one of the things I was going to talk about is this joint role at the same time. And uh, it was funny when you brought that up because I've had that question. How is it that you can stand in the shoes as a police officer, but then stand in the same shoes as a minister and as a pastor? And my believing is that God put me in both places. And in the midst of it, we've got to learn when God puts us in a position, then there is some way that God wants to use us. Uh, Luke, Luke tells us that to whom much is given, much is required. And I think that part of trying to uh, go through my own life and weigh things out evenly, um, when I get up every day, I thank the Lord for that opportunity to get up. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily so that I have to get up, so I have to thank him for that. But when you're in a dual position role, and uh, I've been at Pilgrim uh, 19 years, and July I'll start my 20th. So I was doing police work and pastoring at the same time. And if I could just add a third thing onto it, I own my own business. So there were times when I would say to my wife, what day is it and where should I be at? Because of the opportunity. And, and so trying to stick with 
um, the questions that were sent to me, um, I, I was brought up in the church. My mother was an a, a officer of the church. My father was an officer of the church. Um, I've got seven brothers and sisters. I'm the youngest of them. And we all were brought up in the church, all of our children and everybody. So the church was always a center focus of our life and of our community. I, I think now because of what goes on in this modern era, everybody thinks I could just go get it on a CD. I could just go get it uh, on TV. I can go on the internet. I could do all of that. Um, but to borrow that phrase from Coca-Cola, I believe it is, there's nothing like the real thing. And the problem is that people need to be connected locally into churches. And because of the Christian faith, we have multiple ways to get them in to the church. So I never struggled. I never struggled from the age of probably... Um, 10 or 12 when I started to really begin to understand what this was all about. I worked in the church. I was a junior trustee. I was an usher, um, you know, Sunday school, the whole thing. So I understood it. Um, at the age of 17 in high school, I was like an assistant director at a community center. And so I began working with fellow young people, and, and that's kind of where my life directed me in there. Um, and so being able to deal with people, dealing with people and dealing with their problems when you're, when you're in that police work and, uh, and most, most cars probably have it, police cars have it, it says serve and protect. And so I think a lot of times uh, officers now are not really taught and talked about serve and protect. Serve means that you're here for the community. You're here to work with them. You're here to try to resolve issues, problems. I think growing up uh, in the town of Westfield where I grew up, uh, I probably knew a large number of the officers, not because I got in trouble, but because the officers made it their, their, their duty to know who was in the community and know who you were. And so I think that being in police work, that was part of my understanding because those officers made it easy for me to connect to them. And then being in the church made it easy for me to be able to further connect myself with problems that are going on in uh, society. Um, I, I think when people look at it, and the question was, well, what happens if? And I always say to him, thank God, the what happened if never came into my life. Um, the reality of it is, is that I don't think anybody maybe gets up thinking that they're going to try to hurt somebody. But it doesn't matter whether or not you're in a, in a role of being in the church or not in the church, that the idea of us hurting one another should be like the last thing from our mind. Uh, I just finished up a series dealing with Genesis and talking about what God intended for his people. If we ever stop and look at what God intended for us, then if everybody saw what God had for them, 
then we would not be in our situation. But unfortunately, the Bible also tells us about the jealousy between Cain and Abel. And it wasn't that Abel did anything wrong. It was because Cain decided he would just give God some stuff. Think about that. God gave his best, but Cain decided to give God some stuff. Abel gave the first of what he had. He gave the fattest of what he had. In the reality of this, I think this fits really into the questions that were sent to me. I try to give my very best at whatever I do. Now, I'm human. So every now and then I falter, I fail, I don't always get there. But it is the, it is the intention to give the best that you got to God in that's how I look at my life. I tried to give my very best. I tried to give my all in what I do. Um, I never, I never struggled with being a police officer and being a pastor. I started out, I was a deacon in the church. Uh, as I got older, uh, I have an older brother who pastors a church in Newark. He's been there, uh, I believe May will start his 36th or 37th year there. So I was with him. And my call to the ministry came while I was there with him. And after I finished school at New York Theological, working, going to school, doing all of that stuff, and the only question I said to God is, you know what, you know I work extra hours on Saturday and all of this stuff and during the week, how am I going to do my educational stuff and take care of my family? So to really answer that is, I had to go through it in order to get the answer at the end of it. I think sometimes people want the answer up front and the answer is not there. The answer is when you get to the end of a situation and you're able to look back and say, okay, I got my answer. So two years in theological school, doing all of the stuff that I had long forgot about trying to do, writing thesis papers and all of that stuff. My family never lacked. I never lacked, my business never lacked, nothing ever lacked, my work in the police department never lacked, and yet I gained and grew stronger in being able to deal with people. So I think that as we go through this thing, sometimes we want the answer up front. We all go to God, we go, God, tell me what I should do. And sometimes it's just walking by faith and not by sight. It's going through dealing with everyday situation and being able to look back over where God's brought you through. And the reality of it is, after I spent 26 years in the police department, now headed to my 20th year in pastoring and all of the other stuff, I realize that all I have to do is lean on God just to get through. I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. Now, all of you in here can probably attest better than I can that it's not easy, but it's doable. And so the, the reality of it is that 
Doubt never entered. I just needed an answer like most people need right now. They want an answer about what God is doing with them and how God is trying to use them. And I think that, that um, one of the things is important, and that's why I use that, that scripture, to whom much is given, much is required. What you're given is not just for you. It's for you and everybody around you. Sometimes, and I say this all the time uh, at church service, I, I say to people, I go, now, you know, ladies, you, you got some size uh, eights and fours and sixes in your closet, and you're not going back there. I, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, uh, listen, guys, you know, we've we got the same stuff. We got some stuff, you know. Uh, I, I often tell people, and I get the same response, you know, uh, when I was growing up, they, they didn't have the Nikes and all of that stuff. They had some PF Flyers. And, and you know, PF Flyers said, um, you get these sneakers, you can run fast and jump high. Well, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, uh, now we just get up. We're, we're thankful we can get up out of the bed, put one foot over the side. We don't have to run. We don't have to jump. We just need to get up and walk. You know, uh, it's, it's one of those things that we need to learn how to share because the reality of it is that God gives it to you for you, but he gives it to you to use with other people. And I think that what I do is about me being able to have that ability, but it's also about me using it with other people. It, it's, it's, the re, it's the responsibility that after 34, after, yeah, about 34 years running uh, the police athletic league, not one day have I made a, a, a paycheck from them, but 34 years continuing to do things for the youth and the community where people can understand that it's not necessarily that you're going to get paid something in dollars and cents, but you get something out of it that is far more greater than what you could ever do with a paycheck. Now, because I've gotten a few years in my life, I often get um, young people, because we're connected on Facebook, or I see them, and they got kids. And when you hear uh, people come back to you, young people who are now parents come back to you and say, listen, you made a difference in my life. One young man by the name of Murray. Murray was a good kid. He came into this country from Turkey. And, and Murray could speak great English, but Murray didn't have someone to guide him. And when I worked in the high school, Murray would be there in the hallways, and every day I'd go get Murray, and we'd walk to class. And the teacher would say, when I bring him to class, he, the teacher would say, thank you. Now, Murray never said thank you. But every day, I knew where he was. We would have a good conversation. He'd go to class. And at the end of his senior year, Murray was struggling trying to graduate. So I said to him, listen, you can do this. You got to have the faith in yourself. Everybody else, your teachers like you. They're pulling for you. All you got to do is this. So, so Murray graduates, probably about maybe six or eight months ago, I run into Murray, and Murray now owns his own towing business, and um, 
works on uh, skyscrapers in New York. So I called him up because I, I needed to get a car towed. He says, I'll be, I'll, I'll be right there. Goes, comes, picks up the car, and I say to him, how much do I owe you? He says, you don't owe me anything. He goes, if anything, I still owe you. He goes, I would have never graduated out of high school if it wasn't for what you did. To me, that's my payback. I could never, ever pay enough money to, to be able to do that. I think in the community of being in that, that uh, professionalism and being in a position as a pastor, that's my message from God, saying what you invested back then was more than anything I could have given you in dollars and cents. And, and I could go on. There, there are many of young people who, you know, have come to me, and, and when I got ready to retire from the police department, they put an article in the paper. I have people calling me up going, you can't, you can't retire. I go, what do you mean I can't retire? They go, look, I got kids coming into the high school, and I need you to be there because I know what you did for us when I was there. There's no way in my life would I have ever imagined that somebody would have called me up and said that. That's just God in its own goodness letting me know that he placed me somewhere that I could be used for that purpose. When you, when you pastor, when you're a preacher, when you're involved with God, that's probably the better thing. When you're involved with God, God's going to put you in some situations that you just don't understand. All of you in here, as well as myself, we've been in some situations that we didn't understand until after the fact. Why, why me? What's so, what's so good about me? What's so perfect about me? Well, there's nothing good about any of us except for the God inside of us. What's so perfect? Nothing. We're not perfect because we're made of the dust of the earth. But what's good about us is the God inside of us. And that's, that to me is the most important thing that I try to strive for and I try to get across to people when I talk to them, when I'm involved with them, uh, especially when I'm talking and dealing with young people. It's important to let them know that there's something inside of them, but there's a necessity to let it out of them in order for it to be used not only for themselves, but for those around them. When we, when we look at this, all of this tells us that the ability that we have is the ability that God gives us for the purpose that we have in life. Maybe some of you, you know, read the book, you know, A Purpose-Driven Life. But the truth of the matter is that when I look at all of these self-help books and everything, the greatest book is the Bible. Bible tells us exactly what we should do, how we should do it, when we should do it, and why we should do it. And so the reality of this is that it, it puts me in a good spirit every day I wake up. I, you know, I face some things going in police work. I face some things uh, pastoring a church, face them in 
um, funerals with people. I face them in a multitude of ways. But whatever it is, I always go back to the same thing, that for whatever purpose, God's going to reveal whatever it is he wants me to do and how he wants me to play the part in this. Um, let me just stop and, and just ask if there are any questions that you might have. Um, just trying to remember all the questions without really looking at them and trying to just hit as much as I could hit. Um, the, the, the greatest thing, the greatest thing that we have to get across to people, Joshua brings them over the Red Sea. Excuse me, over Jordan. They grab the stones, haul them out of the Jordan. They get to the edge, they stack them up. Somebody says, well, why, why are we doing this? Why, what do we need those stones for? The stones are not necessarily for you. Because you know what he's done. But the stones are for those that will come after that will ask the question, what do these stones mean? Why do you do what you do? Why have you done what you've done? And if we can learn to stack our stones so that our young people can see not only our children but the children around us, the children in the community, everybody here, everybody. You grew up in a neighborhood where everybody knew everybody. You couldn't do anything. If you did, and it weren't, everybody didn't have telephones, but it seemed by the time you got home, <laughs> people in the community, you were out of place in the wrong place, they didn't necessarily have to be your parent. You could have got that swipe up beside the head, but they pulled you out of it. They stacked the stones for you, but we've got to get back to stacking the stones for those that come behind us. How important is the history of what it took to build this place right here? How is it important for you to be able to be able to look at a person and judge them not by the outer person, but judge them by their character to a certain degree? And I say a certain degree because Matthew 7 and 1 says, judge not lest ye be judged. And so the reality of this is, is that I try to stack my stones. I've got right now five granddaughters. I have to have a talk with my sons about having a grandson because I got three sons, no grandsons yet. I got hope in the last one. He has no, none at all, the first two. And so I stack them for my granddaughters. I stack them for my nieces and my nephews. I stack them for my cousin's children. I stack them for my friend's children. I stack them for my fellow police officers' children. I stack them for everybody to see. Because when they ask me, what does that mean? I can go back and tell them what the Lord's done for me. 
I can tell them that every one of these stones means that the Lord has been with me through trials, through tribulations, through ups and downs, through laughter, through crying, through all of the things that go on. It's, it's, it's not an easy world that our children live in now. We look at some of the stuff and, and the question, scratching of the head, what was on their mind? What was on their mind? What made them do what they did? I come to the simple conclusion, nobody stacked the stones for them to see. That they don't have to get themselves involved in drugs or alcohol. They don't have to get themselves in bullying and, and sex prostitution and all of the other things that go on. They don't have to hate their neighbor because they got a different color of skin or they talk a different language or any of those other things that go on because through it all we have to learn to help one another because the truth of the matter is as much as we may like or dislike our government that's not who rules over us that's not who wakes us up every morning as much as we can talk about the politics of our state government that's still not who takes care of you, who does not do all the things. Local government. And the reality of it is that when we get caught up in those things, we miss the calling of God on our life and what we should do and how we should do it. Because if we learn to treat one another like God intended us to do, then we find ourselves, our lives being fulfilled with the glory and the goodness of the Lord and everything that comes upon us. And then we don't worry about the things that we're given because we know that we can share them and God's going to give it right back to us. Let me get to this one little point, And it is the woman that had the meal and it was her and her son. The prophet shows up, says, make me a cake before you make it for yourself. Now, all of us would have some difficulty when we know it's the last of what we have. We know the story that she did what the prophet said. She made the cake. Her and her son go into the room to die. But the reality of it is that God blesses her because she gave the very best to God. We see the prophet, but the truth of it is it was God because God sent the prophet to her to be able to talk or to give what she had. So to whom much is given, much is required. Everything on our life is, requ is a requirement of God to do his will to do it to his glory, do it to his honor. Because when this is all over, I tell it at funerals. <clears throat> now when you get older, some people go to the store and buy their hair. They buy their nails. They get false teeth. I told you earlier that we're just glad to put one foot in front of the other. We can't jump high anymore, but we're just thankful that we can walk. What may have been at one time a beautiful figure eight on a woman now has become a big zero. 
all of the muscles that were once adorning an Adonis body now have come to nothing more than flab. But after it's all said and done, Paul writes that as our outward man perishes, our inward man is renewed day by day. So we ought to, by the things we do for God, be renewed on our inside. It is that when we look at our young people, they've got the brawn now, so they ought to be lifting and doing all of that. We should just use our wisdom to be able to guide them in the right directions. So I simply want to leave you today with remember to stack your stones. Remember to tell your children and your grandchildren and your nieces and your nephews and anybody that you can tell. Sometimes they don't want to listen to us, but you need to tell them anyway. Because a lot of the stuff that your parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents told you, you didn't think it was worth anything. But one day the light went on and you go, aha, I know what that means. And so maybe that was one of the questions about the aha. I never had the aha. I had, a, I, had, I had stones in front of me. So I didn't need to go aha. I just needed to realize and ask the questions what the stones were so that I could go through. With all the technology we have, our kids think they know everything. Everything. And the reality of it is I think we were born in a time of where we got good education, but we got better common sense. Our children sometimes have lacked the common sense, and that's where the stones are. That's where the common sense is in the stones, because that's what helps us to make the right judgments and to do 